0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, Grove, Grove. Dot Church. Church. I just want to do a little pause there. <laughs> okay. A little dramatic. I pause. thought you forgot for a second where it was, but Grove Church. Yes. No, I know our website.
1: Uh, and typically, I know you should have all people. <laughs> uh, and if you have any questions, uh, shifting back on script here. If you have any questions as you're listening, reading along, or just other questions that come up. As you're thinking about the Bible or thinking about scripture or, or things like that, uh, we would love to take time to answer any of those questions that come your way. Uh, you can send us those questions in one of two ways. One, uh, you can send in both ways if you want, but one would be an email. You can email address uh, us at infogrove.church. That was a weird you way to say it. You can email that, address sorry. us
0: if you want to. Uh, the send email us,
1: address is info at grove.church. Send us a piece of electronic mail. Yes, that please. just be swell. You got mail. Uh, put in the subject line, let's read the Bible podcast question uh, or question for Evan and Aaron. Uh, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. Uh, feel free to DM us there. Those questions get to us both of those ways, and we look forward as much as we can to answer those questions on a week-to-week week week basis.
0: All right. Well, today we are talking end times. More accurately, Woo-hoo! we're talking eschatology, but that that word doesn't, you know, that's like a word that people who went to Bible's college know what it means, and then like a few people who are like really into it. Yeah. But uh, essentially we're talking about what... The future holds. What does the Bible say about the last days? What does the Bible say about eternity? Those sort of things. It's so. not
1: as it's not as scary to talk about as some would think. Oh, true. I remember yeah. as a kid thinking like, I don't ever want to touch that subject, um, but it's actually not, a, it's not that scary. So. No, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Don't you worry
0: to your listeners. And we're close to Halloween, so it fits. Spooky. <laughs> so a- anyway, uh, as far as resources we're using today, we have the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, the Reformation Study Bible, and then hold on to your hats, folks. These are some new resources we've got here. Uh-oh. The Big Book of Bible Difficulties by Norman L. Geisler and Thomas Howe. Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. The Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary by J.D. Douglas and Merrill C. Tenney. Uh, also, I think Moises Silva's in there. I just forgot to put him in. Uh, wow. And then finally, The Evangelical Dictionary of Theology by Walter A. Elwell. So there you go. Some fun. We got a whole library for you today. Let me tell you, when I was prepping this bad boy, it was like, ba- I was like, I was back at college and had just a bunch of textbooks And he loved on my every desk. minute of it. You're not wrong. All right. So we're going to break it up really into three areas of of talking about, three areas of discussion. So the first one we're going to talk about is the day of the Lord, or more accurately translated, the day of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see this all throughout the Old Testament. Also in the New Testament, uh, if you remember back to last week with 1 Thessalonians, we talked about the day of the Lord there a little bit as well. Uh, The second part is going to be the first coming of the Messiah, which is the Gospels, right? This is talking about when Jesus is on earth. And the final thing we're going to talk about is the second coming of Christ, which is what we're looking forward to as Christians. So as a reminder, a lot of these things were, especially when we're talking about the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, these are all future events from Mm -hmm. the perspective of the people who are reading and writing. So we don't view them as eschatological events, or in other words, you know, events of the end times or events of things that are coming in the future, but they were at the time. Yes. So keep that in mind. All right. So the Old Testament, God's people were looking forward to a few events. There's a few things that are coming. It's going to be grand. The main two that we're concerned with as far as for this discussion goes is the coming of the Messiah and then the eventual day of the Lord or mm-hmm. the day of Yahweh. Um, and those two are very connected as well. The yes. coming of the Messiah is also referred to as the day of the Lord a lot. So... If you remember from our study for the minor prophets, which you should remember because it wasn't that long ago and we went through like... But if you don't remember, we're not going to hold it against you. That's true. We still love you, dear listener, but Thanks we're, for listening. we're not angry. We're just disappointed.
1: (laughs) I actually disagree with that. You're not disappointed? I don't want
0: people to walk around thinking they're disappointing us. That's fair. That's fair. It's fun to listen and engage with us. So thank you. Uh, But anyway, so when we go through the minor prophets, you'll remember that there's a few, the the day of the Lord is not this one event. It's not a thing that is, here's exactly what it's going to be. And here's what's coming. Because sometimes when it says the day of the Lord is coming, it's saying like, hey, Edom, you guys are some real jerks back there. The day of the Lord is coming for you. Um, Punishment. Yeah. Nineveh. Hey, you repented for a little bit. Look how long that lasted. The day of the Lord's coming for you.
1: Like, so. It's legitimately like you're a kid who's getting in trouble. Wait till your dad gets home. Right. That's, that's that version. A little that, bit. That's version. I just have flashbacks to me sitting in my van, driving home from church one day and just wait till we get home.
0: One of my favorites is in Amos where it's the whole, um, a lot of you are hoping for the day of the Lord. You should stop that because it's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. Where like people in Israel, it was like, they're just sinning, they're rebelling, they're worshiping other gods. And they're like, oh, I can't wait for the day of Yahweh when he's just going to bless us and restore us <laughs> to the future of King David. And Amos is like, I don't think that means what you think it you're, means, you're guys. Like, it's, it. it's 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 not going to be fun. So, but it, it ultimately is great. Uh, and then finally, there's times where it's referring to the ultimate judgment of the earth. So in other words, and that's where you'll get the really apocalyptic uh, literature where it's talking about like like the Nile sinks in and kind of like this... this um, picture of the world kind of being remade, reformed, that whole sort of thing. It's this final day of Yahweh, uh, when all of the nations will be judged. So that's kind of, and that's an event that has still not happened. That's something that we're looking forward to as Christians. So something to keep in mind, let's see here. oh skipping forward in my notes here all right so in the old testament we see a coming ultimate day of the lord this would take the form of god's judgment of Israel and, and the and their enemies and also the coming of the messiah which is a different thing uh and then find there's a vague picture uh, of an ultimate day of the lord would be terrible in power and provide redemption to god's people uh most famously we see the fulfillment of the well actually we won't get there yet but you know we're gonna talk about joel in a little bit but no little little tease for later joel joel Uh, There's also pictures of a great... So, sorry, I want to put in a couple different things that are also believed in the Old Testament that aren't specifically connected to the day of the Lord. So there is clearly this idea of some sort of bodily resurrection at the ultimate day of the Lord. Um, We see this in Ezekiel with the Valley of the Dry Bones and kind of that vision that he's been Mm -hmm. given. Uh, There's a few other places though where it's in there. And specifically, I think one of the most telling ones is if you remember when Lazarus dies... And Jesus says, he will be raised again. And Martha says, well, yeah, I know at the final resurrection, it's going to happen. So it's almost in passing. But what that shows is that, okay, well, she believes, and it's a very common belief that there will be a day when all of God's people are raised again. And yeah. Jesus is like, well, no, I mean like like right now, Martha, come on, get with the picture. But yes, also eventually he will be raised again. So there is that belief. Um, the picture of eternity in the Old Testament is much more vague than it is in the New Testament. But it's also really vague in the New Testament too. But there is something to keep in mind. It's where, not as vague. Right. Um, but there is, ev- there is not a clear picture of even like what an afterlife looks like in the Old Testament. Like you kind of see with Job, for instance, he says something along the lines of, I know that I will see God face to face. I know that my redeemer lives, which are kind of like these high moments of faith. But even then there's not this real clear picture of like, well, what does it look like to spend journey with God? It's just kind of this idea of having hope even after death. Yeah. Uh, And then finally there's a passage in Daniel where he sees God reigning instead of any any kings of men. So basically it's this picture of all of the rulers of humans have been overthrown and it's God reigning ultimately, which as we know, that's that's a very clear picture of second coming of Christ, yeah. new heavens, new earth. That's the that's the way it's going to be. Um, I didn't put this in the notes, but there's also a lot in Daniel about the son of man who is someone who will usher this in. And so I think a lot of times when we read the gospels and we look at son of man, a lot of times we interpret it as Jesus saying, I'm also a man, like I'm fully God and fully man. But really what he's getting at is like, he's the, he's the character in Daniel who's yeah. bringing in the day of the Lord. So the, when, when we say son of man right now, like the first thing I think of, I suppose, is Tarzan with that Phil <laughs> Collins song where it's like, son of man, look to the sky or something like that, I don't remember. Anyway, it, mean, it meant something very different yes. to first century Jews. So. Yeah,
1: it's the fulfillment of that word. I mean, it's a fulfillment of that statement by Daniel um, when Jesus uses it. It's not. It is. It's not just identifying himself as a human, um, but it is the fulfillment of what Daniel was saying that I'm the Son of Man. So yeah, and and to be honest with you, I think that uh, ancient Christian history would know that. Like, there again, it's that context matters. The culture matters. The way that things are brought up in the Old Testament, G, like Jesus is speaking to people who know and have learned and understand the biblical context that's being referred to. And we just don't live in that world today, which is why it's important to sometimes stop and, and highlight
0: those moments. And one thing that I think it's important for us to keep in mind as well is there's hints all throughout the Old Testament of the day of the Lord is coming, the Messiah is coming. It's mm-hmm. gonna usher in a new, um, a new world. And yet so many people didn't realize when it happened because their picture of what was supposed to happen was very different from what God's actual plan was. Um, just keep that in mind. For, be, care, be careful. <laughs> keep that in mind for as we discuss uh, some stuff a little bit later. But anyway, that's a little you know, little tease for later as well. Uh, it's pr- so ne- It's a primer. Yep. So the next thing we're going to talk about easily what is the most influential event in all of history, which is, the ministry of Christ. Yes. Um. Whether you're a Christian or not, like it divides the timeline, right? Exactly. Like BC, AD. Historically
1: speaking, he <laughs> is it, the reason.
0: That is what we, judged, we, we judge. The person of Jesus. Yes. We judge time <laughs> off, of, off of when Jesus was alive. Uh, but as Christians, obviously, it's even more than that. Mm-hmm. It's this, I, I keep wanting to say cataclysmic, but I know that's not the right word because it's not doom, but it's this massive, massive shift in the way that we view the world the way that redemption happens and also the redemptive plan of god so the first coming of the messiah jesus ministry is really the first big domino to fall as far as well what's coming as far as the the end times for lack of a better word but and it's also, we see from Peter, and this is what we talked about earlier, it's a fulfillment, a partial fulfillment of the day of the Lord. So remember in the book of Acts, they're all praying, Jesus has left already at this point. And they all start speaking in strange languages that they don't actually know. And they're proclaiming the gospel in these languages that they've never learned before. And people are like, oh my gosh, they're drunk. Which, you know, that's my first thought when I hear someone, <laughs> like someone comes up to me and speaks Spanish, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's drunk. What a, I don't know. People are weird. Anyway, so he tells them like, you know, like, listen, we're not, we're not drunk. And so he says, this is in Acts chapter two, starting in verse 14. But Peter standing with the 11, the other apostles uh, or disciples, shout out to Matthias. Doesn't get a lot of, uh, he doesn't get a lot of play. Was, but, he, was he the 12th one? He's, yeah, was he, he replaced, the replacement at this he replaced point? Judas. So at this point he did. Yeah. Cause there's 11 there. I think so. Why would it say he stood with the 11? Who would the 11th be? I could be wrong. Maybe standing with the 11 counting Peter. Yeah, I don't know. Oh man. Well, hey, listen, listeners, that's not important right now. So Matthias eventually does replace Judas, whether it was here or whether it was later. Uh, Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since what? it is only the third hour of the day. So basically it's like, Hey guys, it's, it's like way too early. To yeah. Drink. Come on. Who do you think we are? Bunch of, bunch of people drinking wine at nine in the morning. Now the bummer is that doesn't relate or translate directly to our culture today. <laughs>
1: well, you know, so, what are you going to do? Um, but ancient history, there, there was a lot more structure to their day and everyone kind of followed that same systemic uh, structure. If that yep. makes sense.
0: All right. So he goes, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, goosebumps. (laughs) It's just such a great passage. Um, But the idea here is, A, a lot of times we think of the end times in like these... And here like we, we bag on these movies a lot, but I think there is a lot of just like when I was a kid... There were so many end times movies, and it was a very um it was a it was very one interpretation of what is gonna happen, and so we view the end times as like rapture happens, boom, that's it, then we're tribulation and the antichrist mm-hmm. and then we're waiting for Christ to come back and there's gonna be persecute like all these different things um and that might be the way it goes down, who yeah. knows but uh really as Theologically speaking, we are currently in the end times. Like the this, this, this is the, the age of the church is the last age of yeah. um, of time. So when Peter says like, this is what's happening and says, and it shall be God declares, I will pour out my spirits on all flesh uh, on all. My, I mean ah, the, in, in those days, I'm trying to figure out where he says, I missed it. Oh, well, what are you going to do? But in those days, I will uh, pour out my spirit on all flesh is what he's saying. But this... The coming of Christ and the ascension of Christ and the redemptive moment of his crucifixion, death, and resurrection shifts yeah. the the time period that we're in. We're now in that end times period. Yeah. And so some things are being fulfilled as we go. Some things are still ultimately fulfilled. Even in the Joel thing, right? When it says, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh, they shall prophesy, all these different things. Um, there's some of those things have been fulfilled, but there's also this apocalyptic, like the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. Well, that's, that's not something we're talking about. Like that, that's still to come to pass. And it says, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, it's this massive shift Mm -hmm. in the way that we view God's redemptive plan. And like I said before, it's, it's almost impossible to overstate how big of a deal it was that, Yahweh becomes flesh and dwells among us. Well, I think, I think
1: it's important too. just to, I mean, circle back for a second. I think like all of these movies that existed in my era, right. in my, in my adolescence, in my preteen and teenage years, um, but really more that middle school elementary age, it, I felt like there's a lot of fear driven realities behind that because it's something that we don't understand. And I think just in humanity in general, we are afraid of things we don't understand, we don't like to engage because we don't understand it. Very rarely do you find people like I don't understand this. I'm still going to lean in, and because even the phrase like on, on verse twenty there it says, you know, the whole sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon, moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, and then it says this, the great and magnificent day. We have to realize like the the day of the Lord, the end, time, like when when Christ returns, and as the fulfillment of prophecy is being <clears throat> is being unfolded before our eyes. It's, it's a glorious thing to follow Christ and to, to anticipate the arrival again of Jesus. It's, it's, yeah, there's wrath there. Yes. There's, there's consequences to sin, but God's wrath. And this is the, the book of revelation. God's wrath is not poured out on God's people. God's wrath is poured on against those who have rebelled against him. So on one hand, as Christians, we need to take hope and take heart in that truth. But on the other hand, we need to continue living with that urgency because God's will is that none should perish. Um, and so I think sometimes like we, we have this fear driven reality where we're afraid of God's wrath and punishment and we don't want to address or wrestle through the things that, that talk about this end time, but it is, it is a glorious thing. Like it is a, it is a, it is something to anticipate and to look forward to. Um, and I, I don't have time. I mean, we've said this a couple of times. I think even on this podcast, like there's days I just like Jesus come, come again, come now, please come yeah. now. Um, but it is because the, what we're promised is far greater than what we are currently navigating. And that wasn't what I was going to shift into to say, but I don't remember now, but it all applies and it all works either way. So, but I just think it's important to, to, to wrestle through this and understand, um, it's not this, it's, it's not meant to be this scary thing. Right. Like when Peter's preaching, it's not this like turn or burn kind of vibe. We take that as a, as in the wrong, um, we can take that sometimes. Anew. I mean, I went to a Mariners game, one of the last Mariners games of the season, and there they were on the corner, you know, preaching this this message, and and I just watched the the mannerisms and the the, the interaction of people. No one was reaching out for their touch cards. No one was willing to give them a, a, have a conversation, and they didn't even seem like they wanted a conversation. They just wanted to be on a megaphone talking, yeah. um, and it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, I think there's something to be said about trusting. Our hope is anchored to Christ and Christ alone. And that's and that's the beauty of the fulfillment of of these prophecies. That's the fulfillment of, you know, when the domino started, we are actively on our way towards eternity. Um, but all throughout history, we are one step closer. That's that's just the journey we're on. So, mm-hmm. again, I don't remember what I was actually going to say at the very
0: beginning, but it all fit. So yeah, well, welcome. It, you're welcome. It, it yeah, it, it marks this idea of there was always hope with the day of the Lord, but it was always. I suppose coming with this idea of that there was going to be bad times and then there's going to be good times for, specifically for the people of Israel. Yeah. Uh, we get that famous, um, that famous passage, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven where it's like, for, I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper and all this, all this stuff, which is, you know, which is great, but it's, it's, we always lose the context of he's talking about, like after you go through these years of being like yeah. of Jerusalem, because they're being actively destroyed.
1: in exile. Yeah. They're yeah. actively prisoners of another, of another King of Babylon. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're stuck. That's, who they're, that's where they're at. And so Jesus spe- or God is speaking these promises in the midst of exile.
0: Right. And a lot of times we just kind of view that as like, there's never going to be bad times. No, I'm a, I'm, God loves me. Why would, why would suffering come my way? Yeah, so right. anyway, that's a whole nother podcast episode. All right. So now let's get forward to what we're going to call the second coming of Christ. And then we're going to, yeah, we'll talk about the part of eschatology that for us, is actually in the future. Remember yes. all of these things that we've been talking about when they were written were future events, but now it's in the future. Yeah. For us. And they've been
1: fulfilled. So just for clarity there, all of the things we just talked about have been things that were supposed to come. They've come, they've happened, they've been right. fulfilled, but it's not completed yet. Just like the word of sanctification. It's, it's a process that's ongoing. It's not finished until we stand before Christ. Same thing with the, with the end of like the end times, the same thing with the, the future promise and the future hope we have. There are some things that have been fulfilled, And we talked about this with the Daniel episode. Great, great piece. I think it's Daniel 11. But it was prophetically speaking things that at this point in history have already been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. It was a prophetic book then. It still is prophetic today, but some of those prophecies have been fulfilled. So that's much the same thing that we're talking about now. So now what we're talking about is this, things that have yet to be fulfilled, but that we hold to and and cling to.
0: Yep. All right. So now we're going to get, I think this part's really fun to talk about. This is also a part where we could probably ruffle some feathers. So uh, just to be clear. So... Was like Levi Larson talked about pulling your toes. Pull, yeah, we we did a video about if you don't come to the church. We did a video where we interviewed a couple days in the church who have been here for a long time, and they just kind of were telling Since the 60s and 70s. Yeah, and so they're telling stories of the past pastors. And so one of the f- pastors, I think he was the pastor in the 60s, was talking. about, she was, she said one thing she remembered is he would always say, um, "All right, folks, pick up your feet because I'm about to step on your toes. Yeah, you put tuck your toes in because I'm about to step on them. Oh man! All right, so just like we said there was hints of the Messiah in the Old Testament. There's hints at what is going to happen. And the people who studied those the most, such as the Pharisees, did not see the Messiah when he came because they were so caught up in the weeds of how they interpreted it and the exact things that they thought were gonna happen that they missed the Messiah standing right in front of their face. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a danger for us today. Yes. where. God is giving us hints of what's going to happen in the future. But when we get so concerned with the details of here's exactly what it's going to look like, here's exactly the signs, like I've cracked the code, whatever it is, I think there's a real danger that we miss what God is trying to do with us today because we're so caught up in things that aren't even about. Like if the Pharisees were so caught up in the idea that the Messiah was going to be uh, a Jewish general king who freed them from Rome, that they missed the even greater truth that the Messiah was someone who was going to come and offer redemption and yeah. salvation for the entire world. So that, and the other thing you came mind here is all of these things are very open handed. Now there's the big blocks that we'll talk about. Those aren't open handed. Like Christ is coming back. That's not an open handed issue. That's yeah. a closed hand issue. Like that's as Christians, we believe it. That's yeah. what's going to happen.
1: If you don't believe it, then you need to, I mean, this, I don't, this isn't meant to be a negative or like a strong, harsh statement but you need to reevaluate what you're believing right? Um, because this is a true, this is a true scriptural reality that he
0: is coming again. Yep. Now the details of that open-handed. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of what we're getting. We don't at know here. the time or the day, <laughs> but we know it's coming. Yeah. So I just put down some bullet points and we'll discuss each of these. There's things that we know for sure, as far as how they're prophesied in scripture. And there's things that, again, the details of them are a little bit fuzzy. So number one, we already talked about it, but There will be a return of Christ. It's going to be sudden. Scripture talks about how it's not going to be this thing that's like, all of a sudden, we all see that it's coming and then it happens. And no, it's going to be kind of like a a thief in the night, I suppose, is the way that I think it's one of the ways that the... Flash of lightning. Yep. Uh, It's going to be bodily. And what we mean by that is it's a physical return of Christ. So, it's not like this kind of like spiritual thing. Like there's some, um, I think this is what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, that Christ came back already. And it was kind of like this spiritual awakening thing that happened. And then now we're living through the rest of it. That's not what we believe as Christians. Um, It will be a physical bodily return. Biblically, it's not something to believe either. Of Christ. And then finally, and this one I feel like is most important, we will not know when it is. What? Sorry, sorry if you've got your charts out and you figured it out, but uh, no. So it's the Bible is very clear that this is not something that we're all going to be aware of. It's a day that God the Father knows. Yeah, that's it. Well, and we can say that because
1: Matt, Jesus was asked that specifically: When will it happen? When will the 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 return happen? And Jesus His answer, I think it's Matthew twenty four thirty six, maybe. Mm-hmm. He says, "No one knows the hour or the time, but God, but the Father in heaven. No yeah. one knows." when it will happen. Uh, and so anybody who says, well, I know it's going to happen here. And we've historically in my life, we've had people, one individual have three different moments. They're like This is when it's happening. I've uncracked this Bible code, which is why some of those movies came out, like the Bible code or the Omega oh, yeah. code or something like that. Uh, I do know. And then it didn't happen. The blood moons, you know, then there was the Y2K scare. Like, I, I know a lot of, I was one of those young Christians who was like, geez, you're coming back. It makes sense. 2000 years later, it just makes sense. No, like um, we don't know the day, the hour, or the time. All we know is that it's coming and it will come like a thief in the night. It will come like a flash of lightning. It will come in a a way that we don't even realize it.
0: Um, And it's just going to happen. So we have to be ready. It reminds me of, this is like super dumb and off the, out of the field, but it reminds me of uh, an episode of Parks and Rec where there's a cult that believes the world is going to end every few years. And so he goes into the parks department. He's like, we want to rent this field because we think the world's ending on May 5th. And he's like, oh, shoot, we have a Boy Scout jamboree that day. He's like, oh. How about the six? That's open. Oh, yeah, it's the six. That's what we meant. It's ending, it's ending that day instead. So <laughs> we can we end up looking the fool oh, when we try to yes. pre- when we try to predict exactly yes. what's happening. All right. Next thing. Uh there will be a period of suffering and tribulation before Christ's final return. That's kind of the closed-handed, like that's talked about in the scripture. What's very open-handed is like, okay, well, what what's the deal? So there's uh there's a certain amount of uh, there's people who believe that we're currently in the tribulation. There's people that believe that the tribulation is the thing that kind of happens that Christians suffer through um, and then Christ comes back. And there's people who believe that Christians are raptured and then the tribulation happens and then Christ comes back a second time. So honest, and I, like, I'm not saying this something. honestly, like believe what you want on that. So I don't have a <laughs> suit, like they're all like, there's arguments that are like very convincing for all three. Yeah. I don't have a really strong, passionate, View on any one of them in particular, but we do know from scripture that there will be a time of suffering where it kind of ramps up this yeah. idea of persecution against God's people. So, whether or not we as Christians are there for it, yeah. who knows? Even if we are, hey, you know, I know someone who's with us through the valley of the shadow yep. of death, so it's all good, yeah.
1: And that's that's the anchor, too. And just so you know, this if if you've been in church a long time. Um, and there's been conversations around the end time, and you hear people say like pre-trib, post-trib, a-trib, whatever. That that's what they're referring to this period of tribulation and suffering that's going to happen. Whether they align with it, you know, Christ, pre-trib is Christians are are raptured before tribulation occurs. Post-trib is after the tribulation has happened. A-trib
0: is, tribulation is like we're currently in,
1: yeah, we're currently in the tribulation. So that's that's when you hear those phrases. I just remember as a, as a young Christian, like I don't know what these words mean. Yeah. Uh, but that's what's happening in those conversations if it does come up now doesn't mean you have to land on one right now. No, at the end of the day, your hope is in Jesus, not in your tribulation theology, or not even theology, but your tri- tribulation doctrine, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. like what you believe about the tribulation. Um, I think it's worth wrestling through. I think it's worth praying through. You gotta continue to read scripture and and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and illuminate to you. Um, but at the end of the day, just what Evan said, he's with us always, even to the end of the earth. And so. That's that's hope that we can cling to that. At the end of the day, he's going to give us everything we need to endure whatever we have to endure because he's faithful.
0: Yep. Well, speaking of pre, post, and A, let's talk about the millennium, which is another one. <laughs> Here's where another it's one. Pre-millennium, post-millennium, <laughs> yeah. or a-millennium. Uh, so there's also prophesied, it's a period called a millennium, which literally translates to a thousand years, but it can also just mean a long period of time. Yes. It doesn't have to mean exactly 1,000 years, uh, where Christians will reign with Christ. So again, this can be interpreted in a, a few different ways. There's a millennial, a millennial, a millennial. Anyway, what it means is essentially they interpret that millennium that we hear about in Revelation and other places as starting with Christ's first arrival. Yeah. So we as the church are currently living in that time. Uh, there's premillennial, which means that um, it has not yet happened but it will happen. And then at the end of that time, Christ comes back. And then there's post-millennial, which means that Christ comes back. And then there's a period of time where not all Christians are raised, but some are. And then after that, everyone is raised. So that's yeah. the idea. Uh, we don't, again, details, fuzzy. They're intentionally fuzzy. Yeah. And it's, that can be, as you're listening, if you're getting frustrated with that, that's okay. Because yeah. it's... Uh, God is intentionally giving us vague pictures that when eventually on the other side of eternity, probably for us, we see these things fulfilled, it'll all click and make sense. But the other side too, is it's the way that
1: I, I, I've kind of come to grips with it. The way that I've kind of settled in my own heart is it's like, I'm walking through a dark room, but I'm walking with, with God. Like it's it's, if I'm walking with my children, like being a dad, I've, I've really kind of related a lot to parenting. Um, But if I'm walking through this dark room, I want my kids to stay close to me because I can forge the path. I can find the way to go. I, they follow behind me. They stay close to me. If they drift too far away from me, then they stumble and fall. But if I'm the adult, if I'm leading in this dark room, I'm, I'm taking every step cautiously and carefully. And if they follow close with me, they can follow in sync and not, and not, not stumble and fall. So I think there's that layer that's important to, To recognize in this moment, part of the reason why there's ambiguity, part of the reason why there's not deep clarity is because God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to stay close to him. And if we're, if we have all these answers, then we're going to forge our own path and run our own pace. I mean, if I give you a book to read, Evan and I would do this differently. And I say, hey, here's a book we're going to discuss chapter one. How many people actually read through chapter two or three or four? They just get ahead when they have Mm -hmm. it right in front of them. Sometimes God's intending us to be close to him, not to run ahead because we have answers. Um, and so that's kind of how I've settled some things. And, and when it comes to the end times and it comes to the book of revelation, things some things are just unclear, but I know he's leading and guiding. And as long as I stay close to him, the path will be made clear. I will have clarity. I will have understanding and I will be able to take the right steps. Yep. Um, so absolutely. Ambiguity is okay. Just stay close to Jesus people.
0: Yep. Well, speaking of things that are, are a little bit ambiguous still, <laughs> but this one's not as much. This whole point. Yeah. This whole, this whole conversation can be a little bit unclear, but yeah. All right. There will be a final judgment for both believers and unbelievers. This one's a little bit less vague. Um, Again, we don't know exactly what everything looks like, but we do know that um, every person is judged. Um, As Christians, we have our faith and our hope in the, and it's not like a blind faith. It's like, this is what we believe, uh, that... Jesus has paid the sacrifice for our sins. So in that final judgment, we're not facing um, hell because we've trusted in Jesus, his work is completed. Um, our sins have been washed away. Yeah, uh, But there is also the reality of people who have not put their faith in Jesus. And then what does that look like? And then the judgment there is basically essentially like being judged for sin and hell, uh, which is not something we like to talk about very often. And I, true. and I get it, it's not a very, it's not a pleasant topic. But I would even say scripture doesn't talk about hell very often. Yeah, Jesus does, but- Uh, it's not mentioned and it's not like the main thing that Jesus talks about, but there is the, yeah, he speaks to it and I think, I
1: think we, as as a church in general, the capital C church should probably follow suit with what Jesus says and follow suit with Like what he talks about, we should be talking about Mm -hmm. because he found it relevant in the moment and, and none of that should fall void. Um, but you're right. We don't talk about nearly enough. Um, scripture is not nearly as, as domineering of a top. It's not as nearing it's not as a dominant topic, um, but it is addressed and talked about too. Yep.
0: Absolutely. And the, the final thing that we know is Christians will live in a eternal relationship with Yahweh in the new heavens and the new mm-hmm. earth. Um, and so I think this is also kind of one of those weird, I don't know how we got into this idea, but there is this idea that, you know, Christians are all brought up, they're brought to heaven, which is a place that exists up there away, like another dimension, essentially. And then the universe is destroyed and we all live in this eternal place with with God forever. That's not what the Bible says. Like the Bible is very clear um, that the heavens and the earth are remade and then they're brought together. And there is this, uh, so much of scripture is about getting back to a certain extent to the way things are supposed to be. And I, we haven't talked about this in a long time, but the Bible is set up story-wise, it's a, it's a comedy. And so, when we say comedy, I don't mean like dumb and dumber, <laughs> ha, yeah, laughing. Uh, but what I mean is a, a comedic story structure means everything starts off really good and then there's a conflict and things go bad. And then at the end, things are resolved. That's the story of the Bible as well. In the beginning, God creates the world. He says it is good. Mm-hmm. He creates creation. Everything in the universe, he says it is good. Adam and Eve exist in relationship with God. And then they sin. And then you get the fall, we get living in a broken world, and that's most of the Bible. Yeah, And then we get this picture at the end where essentially things are restored, but to an even better state than they were before. Yeah. There's this idea of heaven and earth are brought together. The earth is not destroyed. The earth isn't nuked. It's remade. Is the idea of the earth is brought back to what it's supposed to be, un- unmarred, if you will. Yeah. Um. And then we as Christians get to live. The number one hope is honestly in eternal perfect relationship with God. Um. But then we also get to enjoy His creation the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah. Which is also a really powerful picture. So. Yeah. There you go. That's kind of what it's talking about there. Um, and I just want—I just want to read this because it's my favorite passage of scripture. It's up there. But Aaron's smiling because he knows exactly where we're going. But there is just this picture of the new heavens and the new earth, which I think is something to always keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And it says and this is in Revelation twenty-one. It says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And then I saw." I love that passage. I also like after that, it goes into judgment and it goes into like uh, some of the darker things as well, but for for us as Christians, what we get to look forward to primarily is this idea of the perfect relationship where it says behold the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. That's what we look forward to. We look forward to That relationship that was lost, that perfect walking in the garden with God that Adam and Eve had, that is what is being restored at the end. And I think so often we get caught up in all of the details of like, well, okay, well, what is a tribulation? What is that going to look like? What's the millennium gonna look like? What's the Antichrist? Is that one person? Is it a bunch of people? Um, when exactly is all this happening? We get so caught up in those things that we, that we lose focus on ultimately our hope is in once again, having perfect relationship with God. So I don't know, Aaron, if you have anything you wanted to add there, but that's no, kind of where we're ending today. I think, I think this whole,
1: this whole conversation is one that, I mean, is so encouraging and hopeful. I mean, that passage is, I agree with you is one of my favorites. Um, and I think it's probably, it became one of my favorites after you and I had a conversation years ago. Um, and it just, it just was like, God, you're so good. Like, in the, in the state of decay and the state of brokenness, like you're faithful to complete the work you started, you created the world and it was good. It fell apart and you're still faithful to complete that work. And so um, I just think it's a really, it's a really encouraging and and hopeful reminder uh, for us. Um, I will say this, one of the books that I've read recently um, that isn't a uh, whatever systematic theology type study, of the end times, but from someone that I trust and respect, um, and their their research, their study, their theology um, is called a book. It's a book called "Driven by Eternity" um, by John Bevere. Okay, um, and and it's a really he he writes a a story to begin the book, and then talks about the practical realities of eternity and what it looks like. And it's for me, it has it has challenged me to understand my role and responsibility today and light of eternity. Um, but at the same time, it helps paint a picture that some of these things provide a little bit of clarity. So when we're talking about some of these, my mind goes to some of the imagery that John painted in this book. Um, and, and I, I say this very carefully. He's to me, he's a very trustworthy, reputable writer and author, um, that I don't think he blows smoke. I don't think he writes things from a, um, whimsical perspective he's very well spoke he's very well educated he's very intentional in what he communicates as well and so um, it's an easy it's an easier book to read as well so it's not like these deep heady theological books sometimes mm-hmm. that can get so overwhelming it's not even it's it's actually easier to read than the c.s lewis thing because uh, i get lost in c.s lewis sometimes so uh, but that's a book that has helped me in some of the dialogue and the conversation of end times and what it looks like to have hope for the future so that's what my my entire mm-hmm. demeanor shifted when i read this book And it challenged me and it convicted me, but at the same time, it's something I now anticipate and look forward to is standing before Christ. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I guess as long as we recommend new books, uh, I would also recommend uh, Heaven by by Randy Randy Alcorn. Alcorn. is also
1: really good. I completely agree.
0: This is a book, Evan, you recommended to me and I loved every minute of it. So I agree. Also, I need to read I need to read Driven by Eternity then cuz now I feel bad that you read the book I recommended. No, but, you, yeah. Both yeah. of them are good though. So Driven by Eternity by John Bevere and then Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Uh both, you know, guys that we trust um but really good um, just pictures of what all this looks like. So anyway, we would recommend those, but that wraps it up for this week. Um, as always do us a favor, leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening on. Uh, just helps get the podcast out there to more people and grow our community even larger, which is really fun. And we get to see people jumping in from, you know, we're based in Washington and this podcast really started as a thing that we did for our church, Yeah, but it's fun to see how much it's actually grown. Like we have really big listener pockets in a bunch of different states. There's a few in a couple different countries as well. So it's really fun to be able to see those when we look back into the look back into the stats so and your reviews help grow that yeah uh finally this podcast is a resource of the Grove church but it's not the only one Uh, you can go online you can look up our whole past archive of uh past podcasts podcasts as well as our past messages Um, and then you can also uh if you would like to financially contribute to the ministry that the Grove church does you can do that on the website there's a give button in the upper right hand corner thanks so much have a great day see ya